Good morning and welcome to the Rod and Star podcast, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Mart of Cales River, along with the chaplains of St. Mark the Evangelist and St. Monica of Westbeck. I am Lindsay Shooters and I'm joined as always by the leader of our parish, the venerable Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. And I got it all right. I'm going to pour myself a special cup of tea because of that and maybe <laughs> have a cookie. Father Rodney, how are you doing? <laughs> Morning, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Morning, all. I'm in a good space, thank God, and so is my family. Mm. Uh, thanks for asking, and I trust the same for yours. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously, in the news at the moment, there's a lot of things going on. There were announcements made by the president um, of easing down of, of, of the regulations of lockdown level three. A lot of people are going to get back to work again, especially in the self-care areas um and as uh, my beard is growing quite quite thick now and i'm starting to wonder whether <laughs> i really need my barber as much as i thought i did <laughs> uh, <laughs> but be that as it may um church remains closed as far as 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 i know father yes we are um by the coming closer to the end of the month we will be uh, um doing some deeper review on, mm-hmm. on what what can be done um and um, at the moment, the funerals are, you know, can still be held in the way that it is being held. Mm-hmm. And um, the the question is always that we take responsibility to ensure that disinfectants are available and used for the purpose of ensuring that the building is safe and that people coming to the building will have the proper equipment also um, provided for, as well as taking their own responsibility. The question will remain, because of social distancing, just how many people will will be be allowed to to enter into a church service. We do know that um, when we, before lockdown, and we were practicing um, um, wisely the regulations given, and we could still have services there, it was tantamount to the restrictions of number, as mm. always. Now, how are we going to get past that one is the big challenge going forward. But the other things we, we must do and can do, we get talking on Wednesday about getting a team together, um, and we really got people in place to assist us with um, ensuring that we are COVID compliant at all times. Um, because that's the main thing. But yeah, there's a growing need also now for me to consider how I'm going to pass the people one-on-one because requests are coming in. Mm. I've been on the phone with people most of the time, and that's the best we could do under the circumstances. Um, We are open on a Wednesday morning just to receive monies, but uh, that may be a space in which I am going to use for maybe look at pastoring things, but we're also looking at maybe having our meetings where possible uh, to that one day a week when we mm. are able to. But again, this is all a learning curve because I think we have to be honest, the fears are still within us. You yeah. Know, when I see you coming on and you see me coming on, we are quite aware of just how distance, what distance means now. Um, mm. People who loved their inner spaces, and the order around themselves and their um, comfort zones probably will do well in 
in these times, you know, because social distance yeah. keeps them that space. But, uh, and one doesn't know how that habit's going to form with us in the, the days, weeks, months, mm. and years uh, what the indication of that to be. Yeah, my daughter's starting school on Monday, so tomorrow when you you hear this, and there are obviously um, anxieties around that. Uh, and it was interesting discussion that we had on Friday night, where I just asked her frankly, like what her concerns are and what her, her feelings are like, because um, she she's affected by by a nervous tick. And since we told her that she will be starting on Monday, since it was confirmed, the news was confirmed that it has picked up um, frequency quite a bit. Uh, so I think it's very important for people just to talk openly about. Um, our fears and anxieties because everybody's feeling it everybody's feeling the stress Absolutely. of lockdown um, we all carry it differently but it's important that we all talk about it and that's how we, we all are going to get through this um, today is obviously father's day happy father's day to you father rodney um, thanks lindsay and to you to you as well thank you and if you would just welcome all of the parish to to pray um, and call to prayer, and then I will catch up with you to dissect the liturgy of the word. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our virtual service on the second Sunday after Pentecost. As Lindsay already iterated, we are celebrating Father's Day and our youth, young people, which was on the other day, uh, on the 16th. The Lord be with you and also with you. So my sisters and brothers, Come into the space of truth. Come into the space where all are loved and valued. Come gather together as confident, beloved people. Come gather before our God, creator and protector of all, who has done mighty and wonderful things, and therefore alone is God. All the nations that he created will come and bow down to him and they will praise God's greatness forever. And so we pray the collect for this week coming um, as we continue to prepare ourselves to worship God and live out our worship day by day. It can be found on your pure leaflet. So we pray together, Lord Jesus Christ, you tell us not to be afraid. Challenge us to abandon ourselves. Encourage us to risk the sacrifice that we may find the abundant life you promise. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the unity of the blessed Trinity, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father, you highlighted a couple of just two passages um, from the text, because it feels like the themes and the readings, it's Romans, Corinthians, um, we've, we've kind of done it. It's the themes that we've been carrying throughout Easter. Um, so let's just zero in on, the, on those two lines that, that, that you've, you've highlighted. Thank you. So the, the, the reading that I that I chose uh, the, the the texts are Matt, Mark chapter sorry Matthew chapter ten thirty eight, 
that reads and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Yeah, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Father, obviously today being Father's Day, there's there's a lot of portrayal of of the sort of sacrifices that we all need to make to follow Christ in the texts. And for me, that's always an extension of what is expected of us from from God. And as as we've discussed before, I, I have a big problem with the, the portrayal of like this strict father figure of a God. And this jealous God, like we've, we've, I think it was right up in our first or second episode where I was like, I'm very uncomfortable with humans assigning like the worst parts of our, <laughs> of our humanity um, to this deity. And like, it just gets me, re- I was, I was reflecting on the text this morning and I was just thinking about um, how it relates to laying down the grounds for for fatherhood, um, for for human fatherhood, where um, I'm reminded by by a line from uh, Chuck Falunuk's book um, Fight Club. Uh, the movie is one of the best adaptations, like ever. <laughs> it's the first time where the movie is actually better than than the book. Um, okay. And yeah, <laughs> the the antagonist in it actually he becomes the antagonist, Tyler Durden. Um, he says this line where our what's it? Our fathers are models for God. So if our fathers abandoned us, what does that tell us about God? So I wasn't abandoned. I'm not an absentee father kid, um, but my folks were divorced when I was very small. Um, so I never had a, a active like father 24-7 in my life um, growing up. I always had to draw on other sources like friends of the family and TV was a big part, um, TV and movies and books. Um, I found a lot of father figures in books. Um, and that shaped me to be the person that I am today. And I think that shaped me to be a person who's more open to other ideas of fatherhood and challenging um, what the gender role is. What the gender role is. Yeah. Uh, do you have any ref- reflection on, on what, what the Bible's expectation of fathers is? Yeah, there are certain teachings that St. Paul uh, gives um, about how we as fathers and mothers have to ensure the protection and safety of our children and also ensure that they are raised in a, in the way that uh, God would en- endeavor us to live so that um, in, in such a way we try and meet the standards of what we as humans were, were, were created to be. But any uh, of our words trying to do, give some definition expression of God is going to fall short mm. of the actual. So, so again, yeah, the challenge is delving into the text itself. Um, it is no, um, it's no uh, um, secret that in the Old Testament, the um, the authors of some of the the writings. Um, gave us a sense of that we can only really speak of God, the mystery of God, uh, through anthropological terminology and expression, because mm-hmm. that's all we know. 
Now, why would we why would we assume that when we humans use terms that are captured by bad behavior that makes that term invalid? When um, men who have been given the privilege of becoming fathers uh, to their families act up because of their distorted humanity. Mm. Why does that make the word, the term father bad? Why is that then uh, a term we, 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 don't, we don't want to use for God simply because some uh, fathers do not behave like fathers mm. because of their broken humanity? Uh, Jesus... And, and again, here we, we, we can't assume that uh, there wasn't problems in the times that he was around because I'm sure fathers were hierarchical and patriarchal. Mm. And that comes with its, um, its, um, its oppressive um, nature. I mean, in 20, 21st century, we're still suffering the ills of that um, mm. across society. I remembered um, a counseling session when I was in my first curacy because the director wanted to sort of have helped me understand what happens, how, how do you manage the conversation when there's a, in that case, it was a spousal um, problem. So he allowed the wife to tell, to tell her story. And, uh, you know, she, she, gave it you know um i'm married to him we have children yeah. now over weekends he chooses to be with his friends and I, we only see him on on monday so children are asking me ba is daddy and then she can't answer him yeah he does th those years they used to have the brown paper uh, envelope uh, where the pay used to be in for the week uh, because people got paid weekly Mm. And so you wouldn't have brought that back on Friday, but it will come back on Monday empty <laughs> because he's. <laughs> so after she now painted the picture from her experience and it wasn't too happy and her face showed it. I mean, she was very brave. I was quite, I mean, I've never forgotten what that husband said. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say it in English, Afrikaans, but then I'm going to repeat it, translate it into English because the Afrikaans has that effect. Uh, he said, My father, say for Stani, is the man in the ace. Mm. So, father, she, she doesn't understand I'm the husband in our in house. Now, her concept of husbandry and fatherhood would be hey, your presence is needed. Yeah. Your provision is needed. Your children want a relationship with you. They want to see you. They want to experience you. I want to do that. But you give us no chance because your assumption is based on, as the husband and father, you can do what you like. Mm. And the others must just accept it. Now, why would that bad behavior um, capture the term father? And then we struggle with saying God is father when we need to look at it from the other side. What is Jesus? Jesus doesn't, Jesus tells us this is who God is. He mm. is Father. Uh, but then, you know, the understanding of, now, when Lindsay and 
Lindsay's mom and dad came together and he was born. Who carried the the most important line to ensure that that Lindsay's bloodline is attached to whoever now this is an assumption based mm. on on assumptive behavior that because the father has part of you and the mother has part of you who then is your by, by virtue who you connected to the most in this mm. regard so biologically people try to assume it was the father but it was based on again a patriarchal understanding yeah um, you know and so i think we need to um we need to recapture father for the good that it was meant to be based on our scriptural understanding uh because Jesus again when we look at the way he spoke to God how he engaged the father what relationship he had with the father uh, when i mean coming out of his baptism and coming out of uh, of the transfiguration narratives mm. he is a father that celebrates the son this is a child in whom i am well pleased now isn't that the kind of father would we would assume father would be but we are looking at from our anthropological experience that men are guilty of violence towards their wives they mm. rule over mm. their children and but that's and that shows up in business in leadership positions in the church yeah. all over the masculinity of fatherhood is a denial of fatherhood because with masculinity comes the false sense of patriarchy and hierarchy i'm in charge mm-hmm. i'm the center of the world and everything depends on me and i think we need to recapture father from the bad behavior it's been associated with over time and i think it's important because uh, president sirl in his last um, national um, engagement with us highlighted the fact that since the ban on, on alcohol was lifted the increase of violence towards spouses women and mm. children has been phenomenal and this is frightening mm. so why would we want to assume that god behaves like that but that's the that's that's the, the narrative that that has been dominant and and I, as i said last last week uh, that's kind of been the problem and i love the way you framed it um you 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 kind of fed off of my my question um about the gender role of the father and then you framed the, the masculinity as being the problem with the way i maybe understand the, the term father and I, and i thank you for that but then jesus actually in the gospel um matthew 10 on in verse 34 he says quite plainly like do not think that i have come to bring peace to the earth i have not come to bring peace but a sword then verse 35 he continues for i have come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law and so on and so forth and then one's foes will be members of one's own household so i i see that as like where there is injustice where you see that the 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 role is not being fulfilled the way it has been set out 
um, that you should actively rally against it. Um, and and I'm 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 with that. I'm fully yeah. <laughs> there that we should conquer all of the the bad fathers in 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 our in our world in in our lives and bad fathers pitch up as you said in all sorts of patriarchal, uh, traditional patriarchal roles of like leadership roles. So if your manager at work is not treating everybody fairly or taking everybody's concerns on board and not acting in the best interest of what then is his family that he's been charged with taking care of like he's stewarding those people you should act you should be brave enough to act out against it just like and I'm, this is a hard kind of <laughs> crowbarring in of the reference but just like the youth um in the 70s did when they rose up and they're like you know what we don't like this inferior education that you're giving us we want to learn in the language that is comfortable for us so that we can understand what's going on in the world and not just be consuming everything that you're forcing us to to feed on yeah, yeah so within the text there is a wonderful model there for what you should do when presented with something that challenges the ideal our homes are a microcosm of the world mm. You can't change anything outside of the boundaries of your home if you've not tackled them with inside of your home. Mm. Everything that we experience in the world can actually be seen coming out of the home. And if we don't get our home lives what it should be, so we're not going to be able to change the world. So Jesus is saying to us, there is a platform for reflection on experiences that can, um, if we used properly, we'd be able to start changing the world from within. Mm. And um, so when we when we look at and as you were talking, I was thinking of our com complex South African society um, going way back to to the, the decade I was born in, um, and before that I wouldn't know. Um, uh, but, for example, when we think of um, the apartheid model that we lived under, mm. very patriarchal, mm. and assumedly, they'd assume they were basing it on scriptural mm. uh, text, but it, uh, but, it, but it wasn't. It was uh, the assumption of, of power. So you had the white daddy in charge of everything, and he could silence his children uh, in 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 giving those whom he preferred power and money and exposure, yeah. and those that he didn't like too much, he uh, oppressed. So you then had the daddies who are part of the oppression, coming from their places of work. They had to live under a form of patriarchy, mm. uh, suppressed their masculinity to the level that they were not seen as men but boys. Mm. Now they come into their homes, and how are they meant to be fathers when the whole day, eight hours, they're under the stress of being a boy? Um, the, who they were as men and as human beings wasn't uh, embraced. So yeah. now they are the same people who, who, who are the leaders in the church of the time. You mm -hmm. remember church wardens were always men, priests were always men. Um, and, and there we got it all wrong, but that was how the church, I mean, even in the choirs, women were not allowed to 
girls yeah. are allowed to be servers. Those are all part of the patriarchal narrative we continued without realizing that we were caught up in a mudslide of enormous proportion. Mm. Thank God the women stood up and said, no more. We also hear God calling us. But yeah. those same fathers then became oppressors in their homes because that was the stage they could oppress. So violence became an issue. But at church, they were the sweetest men on earth, you know, because they followed Jesus. They were serving the people in the church. They, oh, you've got such a nice husband. But at home, he was not nice. Oh, you know, I wish my father was like your father. Yeah. Because yeah. in that context, he has affirmed, the church affirmed his masculinity. Mm -hmm. the affirmation part of it gave him a... A, a, a kind of an image of what it meant to be a man. And then he goes home and he realizes in that context where he has to be the man, he becomes the abuser. Yeah. So, so that dynamic all then says to me, Jesus was right. To change the world, I've got to start by changing the family. And so when I teach you ideas, it is meant to be a sword because only when I kill out the crap that you are going through, sorry for that word, it just slipped out, <laughs> true peace can come. Yeah. Only when you start dealing with relationships at home and this understanding of roles at home, only then will you be able to understand how you need to deal with the world. If women are able to experience the affirmation of their fathers, the truth-telling of their fathers um, at home, then when they go into the workplace and into the world, they, any man who tries to be masculine will be demasculated because the women will know how to stand up. My mm. father treats me like this. Who are you to treat me differently? Yeah. So, yeah. so the nucleus of society, which is the family, Jesus is right. People in your own home will not like the ideas I'm teaching you. They will not want to have their power taken away from them. They will not want their roles de redefined. But that's where you have to start. Because peace doesn't come cheaply. Peace comes with a sword. Yeah. That means it comes with change. It comes with a radical change. And the sword um, is described in one of the um, epistles as the word of God um, that cuts through the very um, uh, bone and marrow uh, was the image that was given to us. So it cuts very deeply, it cuts very sharply through those things where, where we think change cannot matter into the very deep things of our lives and our relationships. So Jesus was right. Let it be redefined. Mm. Let change happen at home. And 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 so if if you talk, if you talk the things that I remembered we were we were still living with family at the time and my brother and cousin, whenever we engage in conversation and I would give my input they both had this um, antagonism about what I said. You're a preacher. You always just want to preach to us. Um, why did what I say 
cut so deeply into them that all they could hear was not Rodney speaking, not Rodney's contribution, but he's now become a preacher. In other words, you've taken on the role of, of patriarchy here. Mm. That's how we hear you speak to us. You're talking from top to down. Yeah. You, you're not talking on our level. Now, of course, I was a naive t- teenager. How do I know what to change in that regard? Mm. But Jesus was right to start in the room. And in the home, we must recapture the terminologies for the right reasons and not for the mm. distorted ones. Yeah. No, I I am guilty of that myself. I, I do talk down to people and I've been called out on it numerous occasions. Uh, in some cases, I I always frame it as it's because I can't, waste my time with with inferior arguments <laughs> um, yeah. where, like i i try and model myself so that whatever i do at home the person i am at home is the person i am in the workplace and it's the person i am um, when i'm relating to everybody because i try and relate to everybody on a body on a human level so just to go back to what you were talking about um earlier the the, the text that you did highlight about taking up the cross so I love the fact that you brought in that that generational brokenness that has spawned out of um, situations like apartheid, where in the week I saw someone praising New Zealand and New Zealand's leadership. There was a video going around where Jacinda Jacinda Ardern was challenged to state all the change that has occurred in New Zealand since she's been prime minister um, in two minutes. And she just starts rattling off all these really good reforms that have come about. But then I reminded the person who posted it, and it's a it's a prominent media person, where I was like, dude, that is an island, two islands of, they, they have a tenth of our population. <laughs> you know, there's like 5,000, there's 5 million people in that country. They don't have the historical inequality that, that, that we, we, we do have at the scale that we do have. And yes, they've done a lot, but I like to think that in South Africa, if we had the same numbers that our, our reform government would have done very similar things, given the resources, you know, where in the suburbs of, of South Africa, in the nice suburbs, like in the Durbanvilles and in the Stellenbosches, and it looks very nice. It's a very wonderful place to live. There are lovely schools, lovely parks. Like you would never say that that is any different to what people are experiencing in other countries. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a numbers issue that we face. And also we can't expect within, what's it been now, 24 years, 25 years um, mm. since we've had an inclusive government um, that we can shed all, we can shed that cross. And for me, and I, you brought it across in, in your homily notes as well, where like taking up your cross means identifying the burden that you carry, like, really wrestling with it, coming to terms with it, like figuring out how it affects you, how it affects how you interact with the world that you live in. So that's that, in my understanding, is is what Jesus is saying by you take up your cross. So you do a full introspection and only through that introspection and you strip away all of the armor that you've built around you to to protect yourself from the pain that you feel inwardly. Um, I cleaned out my office, our office, I had two boxes from my previous job where, I mean, it was a career that I absolutely loved. It was my first love. I was a magazine journalist. I was an editor. And that was taken away from me for various reasons. And I didn't know that 
harboring those two boxes was weighing down as much as it was. When I shoved it into the bin, the empty boxes, and just those last two shoves, and I just had this moment of absolute relief. And it's I I didn't, and I, I consider myself to be very introspective, um, and I always challenge myself to find where my biases and my flaws are laying, like as a person. But I just had such a blind spot to 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 the pain and the the burden that I was carrying, and now I can be a lot more open with um, people who I interact with professionally, where I, I don't have that. I'm not clinging to that past anymore. I'm, I'm now completely kind of facing forward. Well, not completely. There's still a couple of things that I need to deal with. Mm. Um, but yeah. So taking up that trust means understanding what the original sin was that causes you so much pain. Knowing that we've had generations of broken men leading our society who have passed on that pain and that, that burden to children and children's children. So there was this whole thing in the gender-based violence thing. Again, I was called out um, on social media because I'm always vocal about these things. It's like, I'm, I'm tired because these are the points that I made before as well. There was this pyramid, this picture of a pyramid that's been circulating where there's like phrases at the bottom, at the base, and then how it like goes to rape at the top and how all of those things feed into each other and all these behaviors. And that's a dangerous assumption to make because it doesn't start there. It doesn't start with making jokes about, like that's just people behavior, like people are nasty. We are nasty. We learn to be good. Like without without the laws and 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 consequences, we would be terrible. Like the world would not be the way we, we have it now. Where it starts, in my opinion, is in the home, the way I interact with my son. Like when I tell him that he's different to his sister, that is where it starts. Because it's one person who doesn't see the other person as equal, as human, as they always see them as lesser. So you break that where everything is equal. There's no genderization of color of anything. Like pink, anyone can wear pink. Anyone can wear dresses. Anyone can wear earrings. Anyone can act however they want because it doesn't matter what other people think, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like we are all human. Like teaching kids to be human to each other first and then whatever else like not teaching boys that they're special because they were born with a penis you know yeah. you were saying earlier that that um the the arcane or at least uh, not the arcane the archaic idea of biology of like where how much more like the father or the mother um on a biological level a mother is born a woman is born with all the embryos she will ever produce in her life so you there's that thing of where you tell your kids if they reference something like from your past like you weren't even a twinkle in the eye but they were actually there mm. <laughs> they were there in the mother's womb they've always been there the mother always carried that burden and i think a lot of it comes down to to realizing where us as men have failed in the past realizing the pain that we carry realizing the roots of those pain of that pain and then uprooting that garden and building a new one that's more inclusive and understanding that everybody is human and everybody is equal. Sorry about that, Rand. I no, just no, touched the Very important what you're saying. And I mean, I have no problems with what you're saying. Uh, what I would sort of um, add in terms of, of, of the text itself, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
when talking about the cost of discipleship, uses this understanding of um, the call of God. He speaks of the call of God as when God calls a, a person, God calls them to die. Now, you kept speaking about things that we need to be stripped of, things that we need to let go of. And that's exactly what taking the cross means. Uh, so in other words, Paul's words, I die daily. Uh, and this is the fear we have. We don't like talking about death and dying. Um, yet in the very life we live, we have to shed things. We have to let glow of go of things. We, we have to die to lots of things ongoingly. Um, a call to change means letting go of that which is not good, uh, uh, that which has become an idol, uh, that which is destructive in my relationships. So the cross is a very prevalent image and also a call to experience. And, uh, and the way in which we are able to, to, have, to have had the experience of the cross is baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, we romanticize baptism. Mm. We romanticize it um, by the white cloak, clothes the children wear. And, and I'm not saying that is, that is unnecessary. Those mm. symbolisms are important. Um, but the one thing we probably don't deal with enough is that in baptism we are called to die. We are called to share in the death of Jesus. Baptism cannot be any other way but the sharing in the life of who Jesus Christ is. So when God calls a person, God calls them to die. Die in Christ and baptism is the most profound experience we have to be able to say, that is why I take up the cross daily. That is why I'm called to take up the cross. And it, Jesus does say, the cross is there. You still have to take it up. So, so that is the imperative. And again, we also romanticize the cross. You know, we, 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 we have it plucked up in our homes and all of that. But does it continue to stand as a very relevant, relevant symbol that says to us, today, in this moment, God calls me to take it up and Calls me to die and to remember my baptism is that I'm not called to die alone. I'm called to die in Christ. I'm called to share in his death so that those things which are dehumanizing me, that is what I'm dying to. The old Adam, if I can put it like that. Mm. But you see, it doesn't stop there. And this is you, you, end, you ended off your um, story about this. When I read this text, I realized that often we just talk about taking up the cross. Mm. But the action doesn't end with that. And follow me. That is where the symbolism of the white clothes of the child comes in. It is meant to live the new life Jesus is wanting us to live, to experience the new humanity in Christ. So it's you know, we can, we can boast about taking up the cross, but if it's not to follow Jesus, then what would that cross mean? It will become a burden to us. Mm -hmm. there, will be no, there will be no purpose um, in just dying if we are also not called to live. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's the, purpose. the purpose. The purpose of dying is so that we may live. The purpose of death is not 
or not, or, or rather, what Jesus did was to say that the purpose of death, which is is not to um, the, the power of death, which is controlled by by life, is that death, whilst it has this power to assume everything is finished and clear and ends there, brings a period to and a stop to everything. That's not why 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 what what it's all about. It's about death is the, is is part of the journey to life. Mm. And so um, Paul asks, where is your sting death? Where is your victory grave? Uh, thanks be to God has given us Jesus Christ. Now, I think that's the imperative. You can't just say, I take up the cross if you're not going to follow the one who took up the cross for us. Um, and I think that's for me. And then following him, because he's the one that will that makes the change. He's the one that brings about the change. The one who is able to know when the sparrow falls to the ground, even though its worth in human terms is nothing. Mm. Its worth to God is eternal. The hairs on your head are counted. Now, who would ever have thought of counting hairs on head? And Jesus says that the Father knows how much it is. Um, so, so that's how, you know, the, the most insignificant of us is valued by God. Mm. You know, a, a hair is a controversial issue in, in society. <laughs> because the way we define hair is by types. And, and the, the definition of hair brings us into divisiveness. And then we start getting angry with God because why are some is some this type and others that type? And then we get into all the biological arguments about why hair strains are what it is. The most inferior thing um, that that we think about ourselves, I mean, this is the problem. People are judged on that which doesn't seem to have the value to judge, mm -hmm. but we use it to cause hurt and pain and separation, comparison, and again, thinking that the patriarchal model, I am better than you. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus says, no, 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 no. You have to die to all those things and follow me if you want to experience your true humanity. So, so let's, whilst we embrace the cross in a form of romanticism, we must still embrace it and say, I, I love the cross, but why? What, what is the meaning of the cross for me? Mm. And am I really taking it up? And once I take it up, what then is the call? To die only? No, no, the call is never to die. The call is to die so that we may live. And we need to understand this in terms of our relationship. You know, I know that relationships, go back to, if I may just touch on your story, pain of the divorce of parents. Mm -hmm. The apartness that you experience. And this is not to blame 
your father or mother, they had to deal with whatever they had to deal with. Hmm. And that was hard for them. It was hard yeah. for them. So, so to, um, I mean, I know your dad, your dad suffered. Hmm. I know it because I know I knew your dad. I, I, I'm sure that your mother kept that pain in her heart. Mm-hmm. Sense of failure that although their marriage produced three wonderful human beings, um, magnificent in all ways, that there was a failure. Now, how do we realize that in the, our sense of failure is not yet taking up the cross. It's in acknowledgement of the failure that we can take up the cross so that we can die to the sense of being a failure mm. and follow Jesus. And I remember you telling me in past um, podcasts how your mother led the way to church. Mm-hmm. how your dad led the way to church. So in spite of the sense of failure, there was this deep search for the father who could help them journey with the pain and descend Jesus in order for that pain to be, to, to be uh, um, carried uh, and, and, and dealt with in the, in, the, in the essence of the cross so that you may follow. And when you look at your lives as children, we appreciate the fact that you're not burdened by their sense of failure, but mm. that whatever they gave you after that was to show you, in spite of our being failure, God helps us through this. So they led you to the place of worship. They led you to embrace the difficult theological concepts, you know, if I'm going through this, is there a God? Yeah. Yes, there is, my son. There is a God. If I fail in life, is there a God? Yes, there is a God, my son. Uh, so don't give up following him. You may have difficulty with how you define him. You may have difficulty with why you experience certain things. But just remember, life comes because you follow him. And um, I think it was a week or two ago when we were talking about an example given by um, a, an author, uh, Archbishop um, of, of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, mm. used that topic of the woman who in the Auschwitz um, uh, concentration yeah. camp said that, I need to survive this to show that God lived through this. And I think that's the, the challenge we have. So um, this text is vital to the theme of fatherhood, parenthood. Mm. The theme is vital for young people to realize the, the experience of baptism into Christ and not reject that, that of value because it calls us into a, a life that will contribute for the positive change the world needs, starting in our homes. Mm. And yeah, that's that's a very good point to, to finish that on. Um, I just I just want to put out a, a request. 
if if you will to listeners if you battling with any like spiritual concept or and this is a this is a journey of faith um, in a time of crisis and we are all facing a crisis we all have questions um, if you could forward it to father and we can address that that on the show um, going forward so you can be an active participant in in this um, and then father if you just want to continue on that reflection and just state the the prayers of the church and other points of reflection for people in the week going forward thanks lindsay as we pray as church we pray in the name of jesus in the power of the spirit to the glory of god we remember the awf the anglican women's fellowship in our diocese and province and throughout the communion as well as in our parish and ask God's blessings upon each of our membership and also the housebound members. We are grateful to our young people. And so we make this special prayer for them, which you can find as well on page 89 of the prayer book. God, our Father, you see your children growing up in an unsteady and confusing world. And Lord, we know there's much confusion around reopening of schools and anxiety for young people. The fact that we have heard news of children being infected by COVID-19 as soon as they went back to school. So we know that this is a very great challenge. Show them your ways give more life than the ways of the world and that following you is better than chasing after selfish goals. Help them to take failure, not as a measure of their worth, but as a chance for a new start and give them strength to hold their faith in you and to keep alive their joy in your creation. We also give you thanks because you are the Lord of hosts. And we make this commitment to put our trust in you. Therefore, Lord Jesus, your light, which penetrates the secrets of our hearts, we ask you to be at the center of your church, particularly as it plans to become COVID uh, compliant so that we can open up as the regulations guide us, that we may love you above everything else and that is why we ask you to give us grace to walk in the newness of life well jesus your love exposes both deeds of darkness and light so our prayer is that you will drive away the fear that oppresses and demeans here we ask you to give us courage to those in authority to defend and uphold the good of all. Especially we pray for our president and all the leaders in our society and in the world. Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of hosts in whom we put our trust. You hold everyone precious in your sight. So look with compassion on all who are marginalized, and rejected and we remember that this is also a generational experience mm. for millions of years it would seem 
that many people continue to be in this spiral. So raise up all who suffer reproach and shame for your sake. Lord Jesus, Lord of hosts, in whom we place our trust, you show great love towards all who call upon you. We pray that you may watch over them protectively and gladden the hearts of your servants in their need. Jesus, Lord of hosts, you raised from the dead. You were raised from the dead and you die no more. For this we praise you. Therefore, we ask you to hear us as we remember in this faith and love those who have died in this past week. Although our focus may be on the deaths related to COVID-19, let us not forget, Lord, those who are suffering other forms of terminal illnesses, who die in unnatural causes, who die in, in natural, other natural ways. As you break the hold of death, so may we come to share your life in glory. Continue your purposes of comfort over all who mourn. In the power of your spirit, we pray. And so we conclude our prayers as we pray together a prayer in the time of COVID-19. Author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly, and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. My sisters and brothers, Valued and loved, known and understood, forgiven and free, go now to serve God, to take up our crosses and confront our fears. Go with the good news, stirring within our souls, our hearts and our minds, and let us shout it from the rooftops and treetops. And may God be ever with us, ever creating us, ever molding us, ever calling us and ever leading us. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen. Enjoy your week. Be prayerful, keep safe. And our love and blessings from the rectory. Bye.